Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. they come out, and the thing is, when they come out, it's such an anticlimax. They come out, they go to number 34 in the charts, and then they fall out, and that's the end of that. So the record's life is over. <laughs> Maybe that's why they have to do it. I noticed this with no afterlife. I noticed this with the Kareen Bailey Ray record, which I think actually... Probably is still not actually available I, to members of the know, public. I never know if things are out or not. I'm not <laughs> you know, but I, I think they first started circulating it in November. Yeah. And by, by December, it was being announced as one of the records of the century, the new century. Mm. You know what I mean? Of uh, course, uh, yeah. At which point you feel, well, hasn't that already gone? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, the media is so fast on this sort of stuff. I know, I know we've probably talked about Are we a recording process? We are recording, yep. Uh, in the Word Podcast with Andrew Collins. Hello. Coming from the uh, pouring rain. And, uh, <laughs> and we're, we're talking about pre-release windows. And, uh, and another thing, what gets my goat, is these endless lists of people who are going to be really big the following year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone does that, don't they? Which makes you feel you've already... Yeah. They're already old you news. They already are. Do you know the weird thing is, I interviewed uh, Laura Marlin uh, on Six Music the other week, and it was lovely to meet her, and, and her second album is amazingly better than her first, so all is going well for Laura Marlin. And she was only 16, I think, or 17 when that came out, so, you know, she's still 20, and she's already her second album. And um, you've read so much about her, whether you've heard her record or not, Laura Marlin, Laura Marlin, Mercury, nominated, next big thing, and she hasn't had a hit as far as I could see. I think I'm right in saying that she hasn't had a hit. It doesn't matter to me, but you'd think the amount that's been written about her, the amount that's spoken about her, uh, you'd think that she was playing stadiums and she'd had two number ones, but she hasn't. But she's just been awarded yeah. various she, prizes. She's been awarded suppose. lots of airtime and lots of inches in, in publications um, and lots of, yeah, lots of love. But yeah. it hasn't translated. No, I mean, I don't care that it hasn't, but it was just I'm that sure I, she does. I kind of, yeah, maybe she does. I checked up, you know, just to see where her last record had gone to and hadn't got anywhere, you know. <laughs> it was really weird. And I, and I interviewed uh, Scroobius Pip from oh, Daniel yes. Sack versus Scroobius Pip. Going well. And uh, his, their new single, uh, Get Better, was uh, got to number 30 in the charts, which is amazing. I just, I've realised much as anything else, I don't follow the charts anymore. I don't, I don't know what's in the charts. I don't know whether things are in it or not in it, whether they're out or not out. Do you know what's number one? No. No, I don't either. Do you? Um, no. 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 But and I, I saw a big poster advertising a band, I presume they're a oh, band called Owl, Owl City. Is that the name of a band? I sound really huge. <laughs> <laughs> <control. laughs> no, but, no, but if, I, if Top of the Pops was on, and that's the only thing that's missing in this, uh, in this picture, if Top of the Pops was on, I'd know who Owl City were, because I'd have watched the programme and seen them on it. But Top of the Pops is missing, so who can care about the charts, no matter what age you are? Especially people of a certain age who remember it. It's, that's one but, simple programme. But why should... Who cares? But the, 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 without getting into uh, in too great depths on, the, on this subject, why does having a chart matter in the days when you don't have physical distribution of products? Because that's what it was about. It was yeah. about managing distribution. As soon as you can get anything anywhere, why do you care what is being got by more people... I, I don't care because no one's telling me 
But if somebody told me it on television and showed me who the people were who were making the things, because you still quantify things, you know, if every, if every single one was just download only, you'd still know how many people had done it. I mean, I'd love to know how, you know, how many iPods have been, uh, I, um, podcasts have been downloaded from iTunes. But, um, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's still, it's not the physical product that's missing, it's the platform. Yeah. And it was an old-fashioned thing called, you know, a chart programme on television that shows me it every week. And that was for all the family Top of the Pops, and I always go back to Top of the Pops. We used to watch it when I was a kid, my gran would watch it, because she was around on a Thursday, so she watched it and said, what's this rubbish? So you'd have three generations watching this programme, what a fantastic thing. Which there's some things for the, for the kids and some things for the grandkids. Absolutely. Grand and one of the things we want to talk about, and Mark, on this special day, is one of the, one of the great princes of that particular variety, I suppose, that we're talking about, because Top of the Pops sort of was a variety show. Show, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You'd have, you'd have pop records, you'd have well, disco records. Producers were always um, kind of that, entertainment so. producers, weren't they? It wasn't, but, it wasn't specialists. No, wasn't absolutely. Yeah. That's that's so true. Yeah, it wasn't some hip young thing, was no. it? You know what I mean? It was, uh, what's his face? Michael, Michael Hurl. Hurl. Yeah, exactly. Before him, Robin yeah. Nash. Yeah. It was gentlemen wearing bow ties, yeah. I well remember. Who knew how to make a TV show. Statement. Yeah. Or from LE, as they call it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the person that we want to, his birthday, his 80th birthday, I think it's only right that we mark today, and we've marked it on the word on the word website, Site, uh, wordmagazine.co.uk is Rolf Harris. Give it a well, choose your, you, you know, your go where you like, can't you? distinguished moment. You Something know, I, for everyone. I yeah. wrote a kind of living obituary for him <laughs> this morning on the website, and I didn't even scratch the surface of the stuff. You didn't done. cover off Kilmarnock's FA Cup song. <laughs> Tell us the story of Kilmarnock's FA Cup song. I know very little, but from he did one. I think it was in 1997 or 2007, one of the two. <laughs> Rolf did a, a cup final song for, for his Scottish side, Kilmarnock. Well, the, the I, don't know, I don't know what the connection is, but he did it. He they asked him, I imagine. They asked him, I would imagine, <laughs> point one, Clever. they asked him. Yeah. Um, you know, a swimming champion when he's a teenage boy yeah. in Australia, where they know about swimming. Yeah. I would imagine you've got to be quite good to be a swimming quite, champion. And quite fast. You're quite quick. To get away. He comes to Britain, he, he goes to art college, and he comes out of art college in 1952, finds he can't make a living, thinks, I'd better be an entertainer. And, uh, you know, dusts off his act and goes and plays in the kind of expat clubs of Ells Court, playing mm. on the accordion. The accordion, not an easy instrument at all. No, lots of buttons. Lots of buttons. <laughs> yeah. Goes and, uh, and then, then gets into kind of illustration well, via kids' TV. Yeah, he fell into kids' TV and, uh, and drawing and um, painting things really fast was fantastic entertainment, you know, for this new medium of television. Yes. <laughs> One of the things you never would have thought, yeah. art on telly. Yeah. It's like ventriloquism on the radio, isn't yeah. it? It's a really odd idea. Well, it's, and, and because he can do it fast and he can do it in front of a crowd, I mean, that's what, you know, the, the idea, I mean, I went to art school and uh, it would have been laughed out of the place if I'd said I, I admired the work of Rolf Harris, <laughs> but he was the first artist I was interested in, you know, you could watch him work, what a brilliant thing. So then during a performance uh, in the mid-50s, he records Timey Kangaroo Dance Sport, mm. which apparently recorded with just one overhead microphone dangled over the musicians. And he offered, I only found this out today, he offered the musicians 10% of the royalties, and they said, no, no, Rolf, you're not pulling the wool over our eyes. We'll have the seven-pound session fee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> consequently, they said goodbye to you know, 50 years of what must be quite a significant royalties yeah, so, yeah. on a record like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then he's got Sun Arise. Never goes out of fashion. No. <laughs> never came in fashion. It goes into the big hits when he's in the UK in the 60s, which, of course, produced, like the Beatles, by George Martin. Yeah. And George Martin's other great second string is that he's the brilliant comedy record producer. Yeah. Peter Sellers, Bernard Cribbins, all those kind of people. And he, he does loads of them with, uh, with, with Rolf Harris. I heard Rolf Harris on, on I was reminded of this because I heard him on uh, Danny Baker's show on Five Live on Saturday morning where he had him on. And, Did he uh, cry? Sorry? Did he cry? No. He nearly always cries. Oh, really? Yeah, it's brilliant. He's a, he's a lovely... Have you had him on? No, no, he just... He, whenever you see him on anything, he's... Because he's, he's obviously... Oh, he's on the radio, he's, so... Yeah, even, no, on the phone, even on the radio, on the phone, even on the phone, I'm surprised right. he didn't choke up at some point. He's a very emotional individual, a lovely, a lovely, sweet bloke, who just will just start to tear up. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really sweet. But anyway, do so, so Danny got him... He, he just um, was introducing his various songs, you know, these extraordinary... Uh, examples of kind of musical uh, facility, you know, the Court of King Caractic. Incredible record. Yeah. I mean, just how he can sing at that speed yeah. is beyond me. And then he proceeded to just launch into a song that I'd never heard before called Pavlova. 
which apparently does this as part of his Glastonbury act. Uh, and he just did the whole thing live on the phone on, on Danny's show. This is a guy 80 years old. And, and then Danny obviously thought, I'll tell him a thing or two. I'll let him know that his tune, uh, Sun Arise, uh, no, sorry, his tune, War Canoe, yeah. was plagiarised by Adamant for Prince Charming. Ah. Prince Charming. Did he not know that? Of course, Rolf did know that. Ah, he I said, yes, know. we settled that, of course. <laughs> I, don't you know, I don't think there's any flies whatsoever on Rolf. You know. <laughs> of course, people were, you know, were, were ringing up, leaving messages on the radio station, as they've been doing on the word website today. People of all kinds of generations. Immense warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him at Glastonbury um, in you know in the mid '90s, I think, when he first sort of relaunched himself. And sometimes, when somebody you know of a different generation kind of relaunches themselves as you know down with the kids, sometimes works at Glastonbury, sometimes doesn't. He just definitely worked. There's a massive amount of love in the field for Rolf oh. when he came on. He had a studded leather jacket on with Rolf written on the back. I think, and <laughs> there was no need for that. He could have come on just not. He didn't have to dress up as a rock star. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have to have done Stairway to Heaven, but you know, it just all slotted into place. It was great. And he played last year, and I couldn't get near the field. It it was just extraordinary. Half an hour before he went on stage, he was queued hundreds of metres long trying to get into the field. Well, this is where Danny was saying to him, so are you doing Glastonbury? He said, yeah, well, we're, we're talking about We're I'm, trying to arrange. I'm not sure it's big enough. <laughs> he says, we're trying to arrange to play the main stage. It has to be the main stage. That obviously means I'm waiting until I'm paid enough money yeah. to play the main yeah. stage. You know, and because people can see him. <laughs> they couldn't last So he puts records out which don't go into the charts. You know, he occasionally puts a record out, a novelty record, and it doesn't really chart. So it doesn't matter, but, you know, he did one it's with, not about that. He anymore. did one with Rick Parfit only the other week. Well, where the only the other week? It, yes. Has it been I, out yet? I saw it the, only the other day. It's, it's some kind of status quo type yeah. uh, promoting Australian tour tourism boogie where uh, rick and uh, and rolf are uh, seen paddling in the in the shallows of the of the pacific um somewhere sun-kissed in australia um have you ever tried doing the breathing thing that he does it's really hard that, that is really I'm oh, sure it's it not like having an asthma attack if you do it but he can do that he can do everything so he, he, he can literally do everything they, there is a, there's a thing somebody's posted on the word website where he's, he's singing to a, chi- a baby chimp have you seen that no I haven't seen that and he gets the chimp this is part of Animal Hospital or one of those programmes I suppose I can't remember any chimps on it okay well <laughs> one of his wildlife programmes yeah he has a baby chimp sitting on his lap and he gets the chip to make the kind of noise. <laughs> Basically, the chimp is obviously, you know, impersonating, taking the lead, as his human cousin would from the great Rolf. But he's also, presumably, one of the last of a breed that we were, you know, discussing earlier that you might describe as an all-round entertainer. Yeah, it's true. When um, Vic Reeves' Big Night Out started and launched Vic Reeves, the whole point of Vic Reeves was he was this kind of antiquated all-round entertainment. It was, a, it was a joke, you know, although as it happens, uh, Vic, stroke Jim, can sing very well and dance and move and all that stuff. But that, by that point in the 90s, we'd, I think we would all agreed that we kind of moved on from that. And, just, and there aren't the people who can do that anymore. There's I mean, no, uh, the ones are... that there's no requirement for that anymore. The, the... But there must be somewhere on the kind of... I, I suppose it's... Uh... It's a hangover from the cabaret circuit, isn't it? Yeah. You know, where, where you, you, the business favoured people who could do a load of things yeah, true. with the minimum of technology. You know, not, not tapes or anything. You know, it was, mm. you know my, my, my short list of all-round ent- entertainers includes the late, great Roy Castle. Right. Who used to make a whole feature of saying, my father always told me, if you have a trumpet, you can play your own accompaniment. Yeah. That was his, and he made a joke of it. But it, it was a serious point mm. that if you were, you know, if you were a comedian who could play an instrument, you could sort of get through fifteen minutes on stage, probably without being attacked. Yeah, that's true. Uh, having another string to your bow, as it were, is what it's all about, isn't it? You know, if you can suddenly pull a rabbit out of a hat, yeah, yeah. literally, then yeah, you, or, you'll or keep, or keep the baying audience. Or tap dance. Yeah. My other one was Sammy Davis, Sammy Davis Jr., who was the kind of epitome of all-round yeah. entertainment. Well, people, like, people like Sinatra couldn't do it. Really. Yeah, Brucey, can... Brucey is one of our last survivors, really, because you know he can dance and sing, and he did all sorts of weird stuff. He was a comedian, then he ended up being a presenter on TV and then game shows. But you know, ultimately, you could drop Brucey onto a stage, even at his age. And he'll he'll do a few things. For you see, you. and, I, and I, I sort of wonder whether this will make a comeback. You know, when the entertainment business crashes because its economic model is shot, and we all go back to our kind of caves and <laughs> have to entertain our families and loved ones or whatever during the long winter evenings, you do wonder. 
Don't look at me like that, Fred. You I do just, wonder just, if some of this might come I back. I just picked well, Lady Gaga doing close-up magic or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> she probably can, actually. Yeah, She's a un- pretty resourceful yeah. individual, I think. Unplug her synthesizer, though. And, yeah. 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 But, you know, even the, I remember as a kid, you know, there the were elderly relatives who could play the piano and sing. You know, yeah. But it was kind of, it was a mm. social string to your bow, wasn't you it? You go around Rolf's cave, and not only is he singing and playing to you, he's painting something on the wall Absolutely. as well. Cave <laughs> <laughs> paintings. Rol- Rolf's cave. Yeah. You were bloody mile long to get into Rolf's cave, actually. Talking to Rolf's paintings on the, on, on the walls, uh, I've been asking for various um, uh, uh, questions from the Massive via Twitter. Uh, from Rob JCP, who says, What happened to all those pictures, good point this, that Rolf painted on telly back in the day? Well, are they, are they in galleries? I imagine, they, I imagine they'll have been wiped in the same way that all of the tapes of great TV programmes were wiped. <laughs> you know, and we need that wall for something else. We'll paint it over, whitewash it over and start again. I imagine they weren't... Nothing happened to them, is my guess. I think he was producing disposable art, effectively, wasn't he? The other thing that struck me about Rolf, we were talking about this before, uh, before we began the podcast, is I'm obviously ancient, I'm very old, but he, Rolf Harris is, the, is one of the few things that I, rem- I, I don't remember not being there. Yeah, the Queen mean, has yeah. always been there yeah. in my life. Rolf Harris has always been yeah. there in my life. You've my always life. been there in mine. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, he's too quick for me. He's too quick for me. I my, my list, I've got, I've got, I've got uh, Rolf Harris, Bruce Forsyth, possibly, yeah. the Queen, Patrick Moore and Richard Attenborough. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has always been there in your life. So we're talking about things that were, were always famous when yeah. you were kids and, and are still, still there, famous yeah. now. Yeah, and are still alive. Anything else? Uh, well, Clint, I know he's 80. I read uh, a piece about him in The New Yorker where I had not really got my head around the fact that he is 80. I think he's turned 80 very recently. Just think, wow, 80. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? And he's been, been famous since, well, in the fi- since the 50s, basically. So when were you born? Uh, I was born in 1965, so, so his Paul films are already... There all yeah, there. yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. My, you know, the, a lot of those people who are now in their 60s and 70s were around when I was... When a lot of those don't feel like omnipresent in the way that Rolf and the Queen do. A lot of them are there album mm. by album. They kind of cop up every year or so. They yeah, don't I mean, feel like they're a continual presence to me. The Pythons are all kind of continual to me. You know, I was born, as far as I knew anyway. I mean, they started on telly in the 69, so I would have seen them as I was growing up, you know, in the 70s. So all of th- a lot of those 70s entertainers, the TV people, the Mike Yarwood, and most of them are gone, actually. Yeah. Mike Yarwood's still alive. Most of the others have gone. You know, Les Dawson's gone. Or if you name all the 70s yeah, yeah. entertainers, they are all gone, apart from Brucey. Yeah. Uh, and Mike Yarwood is well, not, not, ma- with, no, doesn't, not actually in public anymore, is he, Mike Yarwood? And most of Rolf Harris's and Bruce Forsyth's generation is gone. Yeah. Uh, quite a long time ago. Rolf so. must have lived well, he must I think. Have done. I, must think have he, I think he eats, a, he eats a good diet. Spends a lot of time stroking pets, which <laughs> yeah. is very good for stress levels. Uh, although he went through a lot of stress on Animal Hospital, I was absolutely glued to that series. I'm very sad when it went off air, uh, where he would go to these, you know, these RSPCA uh, hospitals. They would move around from series to series, uh, which were people who, who didn't have a massive, massive amount of money but loved their pets and came in and you know had their pets fixed or put down. And uh, there was a scene with a dog uh, where Rolf was there when this really tough-looking bloke was told that his dog wasn't going to get up, his legs had gone from under him and they were going to have to put him down. It's the kindest thing to do. And Rolf was basically comforting this really hard-looking bloke and the dog. It was just the most emotional bit of television I've ever seen. <laughs> I wish I had it. I bet it's on YouTube. It's probably on YouTube. Yeah, I don't want to see it on YouTube. Look it up it's not, not right. And uh, no, further to Rolf, uh, I've been in, in frantic correspondence today with Ray Earl, and she's a British expat living in Tasmania who was getting in touch this morning to complain that uh, when she'd finally got a subscription copy of Word, it had been opened and read. Now, how she knew it had been read, I don't know. <laughs> so this is, in, in, you know, involved a lot of sort of... very well-thumbed. Yes. Yeah. International banter about whether, whether this was Ricky Ponting doing this or whether this is what you expect if you go and live in a former penal colony. Um, <laughs> And she pointed out that the postman had great difficulty getting up her, um, her drive because it was 60 degrees steep. And <laughs> thanks to the miracle of Google Mapping, yeah. I was able to find <laughs> of her house. And so, anyway, so we've been in correspondence all day today, Ray Earl and I, who, tell, who tells me that she moves, when she, she married in Australia, and she said she'd move out there, I know Tasmania is not strictly Australia, as long as that she could still have access to the BBC, Word, and a decent supply of eggs. Eggs? They don't have eggs in Australia? No, they're, mu- they're much bigger. They're probably <laughs> spider <laughs> eggs. eggs. Yeah. <laughs> they probably bite you. So the there she is. Anyway, she says that she interviewed Rolf Harris once and he sank... 
two little boys to her, and she cried. Well, that's, oh, that's the odd, other odd thing about our affection for, for Rolf. He's Australian. Yeah, he sold Australia to us. He did, didn't he? You know, yeah. all of those songs with the either Australian kind of roots or yeah, yeah, yeah. Australian subjects. He I, sold those to us. And, and if you talk to Australians about Rolf, they're kind of a bit baffled about the way he's perceived here. I suppose so, because he's been here for so he's long. Been, yeah. He's been yeah. here for so long. Yeah, yeah and, and and his family had been here not that long before, so he yeah. always had long. You know, he'd always had strong um, uh, roots in the UK, so he understood the UK. But it was a, it was this it was still an, an affectionate picture for the homeland that he painted, wasn't it? You know, yeah, literally yeah. painted. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some kind of lake with one little tree. So, anyway, that's Rolf Harris. is 80 today, and, uh, and many happy returns to him. Oh, I saw, um, uh, saw an item on Channel 4 News, I think it was, yesterday, where a guy was going around the country and talking about what people thought was wrong with the country, and uh, all the people who lived in Margate said it was because there were too many foreigners. And then they had some footage from... Uh, it was a kind of emigrate to Australia kind of convention or sort of uh, workshop where people go along and, and sign up because they're desperate for people to go and live in Australia. And, and uh, so is this still now in the yeah, 1950s? Right now. Oh, absolutely now, yeah. There's apparently there's a massive uh, wave of people leaving the country. I was probably three or four people, but still, <laughs> worthy of a new story. I thought you couldn't get into Australia. Oh, though, apparently there are after certain... There was a lot of kind certain of... Certain skills. It's like a job centre effect. Yeah, I'm with, sure. With, with a big Australian map at the top of it, so yeah. Because then they've got more doctors and dentists than they know what to do with them. Yeah. They, they, they probably want plumbers. Or, it's because you know. they are flying doctors. They're always flying off. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> some along the ground. So, um, further, further questions from the Massive... From DG Hughes, this is addressed to you, Andrew. Ah. And I know this gives you an opportunity to plug something very close to your heart. <laughs> I'd like to hear Andrew talk about this. Sounds like, is this your mum? <laughs> I'd like to hear Andrew talk about the role amateur podcasting plays in supporting his professional career. Ah, very interesting. Well, how timely is that? <laughs> really, seriously, mom. because, because uh, today, uh, and this is just pure uh, coincidence, uh, two of the podcasts that I do, because I now do two, are made available, and I'm doing this, uh, which will presumably be available tomorrow, if not oh, the end today. Of the day, today. Well, so, so by pure chance, I'm, I'll be on three podcasts by the end of the day, uh, one of which is the one I've been doing with Richard Herring for two years, uh, which is the Collings and Herring podcast, which we've been doing on the same inbuilt mic, on the same laptop, in the same attic in Shepherd's Bush, one a week, almost every single week, uh, for all of those two years. And the reason I started doing that was because invited onto the Early Word podcast, where a laptop was opened up and this software called GarageBand was in there. Yes. And I had no idea. You thought any numbskull could do yeah, this. Well, I already had it. I already had it. I didn't know I had it. And, and it, it was so simple. And there, obviously there are other... Uh, I'm not on the BBC, am I? I don't have to say this. But there are other software packages available. But uh, GarageBand was what got me into doing it. And Richard and I were at that time not on the radio together. Um, and so we sat down and started doing this thing for fun. I had no idea what was going to happen, but we just sort of did it. And we decided the best way to do it was to just do it in the quality that was available with the inbuilt mic we tried some external mics and stuff like that never worked we bought a 50 pound podcast studio <laughs> uh cheap on the internet could never get that to work so it's just sitting up in his attic in <laughs> so we've always used the same inbuilt mic which is not brilliant um but nevertheless that's how we've done it and we've stuck to that after two years we've managed to uh take this on the road couple of times where we've done live podcast gigs where people have paid money to come and see us which we did we did five in edinburgh we've done others variously around the country which are a way of making some money from it because obviously there's no money changing hands and that's the spirit of it because if we charge for it we always thought we'd have to make it good <laughs> you know? so, so this may be the secret i think it is the secret because we, we don't edit or script or plan we just talk for one hour and six minutes and 35 seconds which is when uh, gary Brand cuts you off and oh, really you do it yeah that well, that's how it you know if you do it to the end it just cuts off uh, automatically at that point I don't oh, know we never knew i'm that, sure you can really? adjust it but i'm not going to do that <laughs> <laughs> it blow up so we, we just and it's become the selling point in that it's just us talking and some weeks it's rubbish some weeks it's not some weeks it starts rubbish and gets better then gets rubbish again i don't know and it's just it's just what it is but we're not charging any money for it, so no one can complain. They do. They post uh, reviews of it on iTunes and say, this is rubbish, as if they're paid for it, which <laughs> I really drives us wild. But anyway, uh, so then after two years of doing it, we did a, we did a, a gig in uh, the Leicester Square Theatre in London where 400 people came and paid money to come and see this thing on stage, which is just me and Richard sitting on stage on chairs with the laptop in front of us. 
recording the podcast not knowing what we're going to say. And it's quite a big thing, because Richard is a professional comedian. He's been one for many, many, many years. He has an act. He's produced lots and lots of shows for Edinburgh, uh, which are proper, written, authored shows, and most of his material he spends a long time working up. But now suddenly he finds himself going on stage, and people who paid the same amount of money to come and see us do this thing, uh, where he has no idea what he's going to say. So actually he says it's quite freeing for him, professionally. This is a serious point. It's very freeing and uh, to, to just make stuff up every week. So anyway... Um, we've now got to a point where we thought we would try a commercial venture. And what we did is that through Go, Go Faster Stripe is basically one man in Cardiff who's a massive comedy fan called Chris Evans, ironically, uh, who works... I'm holding up a sleeve to the microphone yeah. here. If this was David Letterman, you'd be able to see that. Yeah, well, if, in Go Faster Stripe, he set himself up as a comedy fan. He's, he's filmed um, no-frills, live DVDs of comedians that he likes, usually at the Chapter Art Centre in Cardiff, and started to put them out in these, as you can see, very, very simple cardboard yeah. sleeves. Uh, but it's, a, it's turned out to be a living. There's a massive market for, for these things. And it would take so long uh, to get a professional, massive DVD company in to film your... You know, he does it virtually with one camera. You know, it's, it's professionally done, but it's not done in a fussy way. And these things are, are kind of souvenirs for comedy fans. And they tick over nicely. He sells them all off, off the website. And uh, he's done plenty with Richard before. And so we, it was his idea. Why don't you come to Cardiff, record some podcasts that haven't been put out, so we sat in a studio, a professional studio. Oh, oh seriously professional studio in the Millennium Centre in Cardiff and gave ourselves the task of doing four in a day. Exhausting. Each, it, oh, absolutely ridiculous. And, <laughs> and, and we called them Earth, Wind, Fire and Water because we just wanted some themes. We didn't know what we were going to say, so we sat and talked in a, all day. And we basically, it's, it's ten quid. Uh, you get it from Go Faster Stripe. I don't mean to sound like an advert to answer no, the question. No, fine. We have found it. this, as we've said to the people who listen to the thing for free, if you really want us to carry on doing this, because we have got other stuff to do, we have to make a living, uh, John, why don't you just buy this for ten quid? It's, you won't hear it anywhere else. I'm sure by now somebody's... Some bastard has pirated it. <laughs> but hey, that's the way of the world. And, and a number of people have done that. Uh, and so that's really pleasing to us because that means we can, you know, some money will then be split between me, Richard, and, and Chris at Go Faster Stripe, all claimed uh, to the taxman. And it will mean that we can carry on doing this thing without thinking, how can we do this? You know, how can we keep doing this? So, so even though. But you like doing it, though, don't you? We love doing it. That's the thing no that drives. There's no reason we would do it otherwise. The, the thing that drives podcasting is people love doing You've it. You've got to do it. You've got to love doing it. And you can hear the love in it because nobody's doing a podcast because they have to. Uh, the, there's a lot of comedy podcasts. And there are more and more now, which are comedians particularly, who are sitting down just chatting. Um, some of them are more professional than others. Uh, Doubling Up's very good, Precious Little. There's quite a few out there. Uh, um, answer me this. And if any of these people we're doing it for the money, then that would be one thing. But none of them are, because they're not doing it for the money. They're by and large doing it for the fun of doing it and for the way of just for getting some stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. And you can hear it in them. It's yeah. fun. It's like the word podcast. It just sounds like people who want to sit and talk. <laughs> and if it didn't, you wouldn't still be doing it. If you thought, oh, God, we've got to do the podcast. <laughs> well, occasionally. Well, I'm sure you do. Yeah, Fraser and I do have to bully people to yeah, do it. Some it, people don't like doing it. Well, I mean... Some I, people don't... You, you know, you like doing well, it. You That's like, like doing it. Well, you have you on here. Amy yeah. Ford likes doing it. You know, of course. Other people... Jude likes doing it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Other people have to be persuaded. I don't. I mean, by and large, you know, you listen to the word podcast. Nobody's sitting there thinking, "What time is it? Is it over yet?" You know, can we go back and do something? <laughs> Although, else? as a listener, you know, I, I listen to the podcast. I listen to it. I do occasionally just tune out as I'm listening, yeah. and then I come back in. Yeah, and it sort of doesn't. No, that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, I, th- I sometimes listen to ours back just because I feel that you know, it'd be interesting to hear what. Because I forget what we've done yeah. after we finish. You know, you have to write. You, know, you often do it when you other things writing down things that you'll write on the, as, in the little summary. Well, you finish out. Oh, I forget. We can literally can't remember what we've just talked about. Yeah. Until yeah. I listen back to it, I can't remember. Well, best of luck with that. You know, I hope you well, managed to make a fortune out of it. Well, we shall do the same thing. It was just be aware. And what we did also while we were in Cardiff is that we did a podcast gig that night at the St. David's Hall. Uh, a number of people came to that, paid to come and see that, so they had their evening of entertainment, and we used the money we made from the gig to plough into the overheads of this. Right. Again, we split it with, with Go Faster Stripe, so we actually end, we're, we've actually paid for it with the yeah. proceeds of that. So it's just what it is. It's, it's not why we did it, but we're finding ways to just... Um, I think capitalise or monetize they're the words that people would use in business. We're not really in business, but it just means you can keep doing it, and we want to keep doing it. So how, how do you feel when you're sitting there doing a podcast and there's people watching? Because we've been talking about doing something like this with the word podcast at Latitude this year because we're a media partner of Latitude and yeah. we take part in some of the activities there in the, in the spoken word tent and so forth. And yes, I'm sure we'll do it, but I try to envisage it 
and I, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, the notion... If we, if we were doing what we're doing now, and there are a load of people watching, mm. it's like when we've done, done podcasts, I've never, ever allowed anybody in the room who wasn't on the podcast. On the occasions we've had pop stars in here, I've chucked the PR out. Because mm, you can't right. have somebody watching. No. You know, it's like sex. Um, so how do you feel... <laughs> How do you feel about, uh, you know, when you're doing that in front of 400 people? Well, it's odd. Uh, it's odd that anyone will come and see it, but the people who do come and see it know what they're going to get. Uh, Richard and I will do half-hour stand-up before the interval, so that it's, a, it's a full evening. Um, so they'll get one professional comedian doing stand-up and me talking for half an hour. Then there'll be a break. Then they'll get the, the podcast, which will last one minute, one hour, six minutes, 35 seconds. And then afterwards, we then do a Q&A, usually, with the audience. All oh, right. Um, they've been, some, mostly been good. Uh, and it depends on the place, because you doing it at Latitude is absolutely perfect. Well, it's, I mean, you know, it's that also is the very, one place where it would work. I think. It's, it's also very different, because we're not getting an audience made up of people who paid specifically to go and see you do a podcast. <laughs> that is true, actually. They're already which at Latitude. Which is a huge difference. Yes. Huge difference. And this, yeah, you know, this is the difference between... Forgive me, as I lapse into jargon, pull media and push media. Mm. And, you know, the podcast, podcast is a classic example of pull media, which is if you want it, you pull it towards you. Yeah. And therefore, you are predisposed to like it. Television is push media, mm. which you turn it on and there it is. And it immediately has to justify its presence yeah, to you. or you'll turn it off or turn it turn it get really yeah. indignant really quickly. Or kick the screen away. <laughs> and, you or know... if you're at a festival, throw bottles of you. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or leave the tent. That's <laughs> yeah. At least at a festival, there are ten other things you That's should be true. doing. Yeah, Twenty yeah, other things. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very fine difference, I yeah. think, these things. The fact the first one we did, this is... You're right. The first one we did uh, was a... Uh, we were asked by uh, No Sweat, the sweatshop, anti-sweatshop charity um, and pressure group to do one of their gigs. Uh, the person who organised it listened to the podcast, he understood it. And, and so that was the first one we ever did. But it was, uh, another, there were other comedians on and it was, a, it was a night. And so we were on last and there were people there who can't have known what we were doing or what they were about to receive and must have wondered why on earth two men were sitting on chairs Talking with a laptop to each other. with a pile of newspapers because that's that kind of crutch really if you, if you like and you're not interacting with the audience at all I guess no well, well, well we'd start we, the minute there's an audience there you start interacting I mean Richard instinctively does anyway because okay. that's what he does in his own stand-up act but actually when it works it really works you know in Cardiff it was brilliant enough people on the front row were shouting out funny things and you know you get into a dialogue and then it really worked and I think it worked but it's different if you're there and definitely you're listening to the podcast that's the weird thing if you're at home and you can hear an audience there does that make it feel slightly you know exclusive know, we, we shall you, see we yeah. shall see it's, it's very interesting all these things you know, they, they, they all seem to me to be um, you know coalescing uh, that, that, that thing that, that I started true stories True Stories Told Live, which mm. you told the story yeah. out. Well, the first one, I think. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, and, you know, which is 80 people in a room above a pub in Islington. But they know what it is that they're going to get. Yeah. And so if you decide you don't like something, you just, you don't mind at all. Mm. You, you have a completely supportive attitude towards the thing. But also, you know, the story's only 10 minutes long. It's not going to last forever. And also, you haven't paid. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good format, though. I mean, that's a well, good format. Yeah, you know? yeah but, but you don't have to win every, anybody over. No. Whereas most of the energy of every form of... Edi- media and entertainment is spent trying to win over the people who aren't convinced Mm. it's the same in publishing a newspaper doing anything yeah it's please god don't go away you know what i mean let me let me wave my arms around enough let's have have enough spectaculars here that you stay with us whereas a thing like podcast or Mm. an evening telling stories is on a very different level it's a very i mean it's a very unusual night of entertainment when we just sit and make stuff up for an hour. I mean, you know, when uh, Frank Skinner and Dave Deal launched that format, Unplanned, it was an amazing idea. You know, they would sit in a chair and just answer questions from the audience to see where it went. And it mostly was very good, because they're very funny people who have a great chemistry. And uh, I think we've probably uh, developed a kind of chemistry over the, over the years that we've been doing it. But still, it is an odd thing to pay to go and see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be rubbish. The whole evening could be rubbish. But it then, really, again, you know, you the same could apply not. with the most highly contrived and, and professional piece of entertainment. Yeah. Everyone's trousers could fall down while someone was doing a yeah. play. Yeah. So while we're talking about trying to get a bit of money back on podcasting, where do you stand on the, on the, uh, the paywalls issue, which is, appears to be coming up to something of a boil in the media? Yeah, moment, I mean, with, I uh, the Times and the Sunday Times about to... Uh, start charging for access to the to the websites, and I suppose the other the other extreme you got the Guardian saying we will never do this. Mm. You know, we can think you can get it paid for by advertising. What do you? Th- well, podcasts are a good example of. You know, there was, there was a point when podcasts suddenly the word became known. People heard of them. You were quite early adopters, but and Ricky Gervais. 
um, and Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington. I think theirs was done through The Guardian, wasn't it, at the beginning? Initially, yeah, because yeah, yeah. most things were hosted by someone else. Nobody knew they could do it on their own. Um, and they were the first to charge. I think they realised that we could charge a pound for this. People would pay a pound for this, and of course they would. And money was made, but it just it sort of seemed wrong. Or it immediately seemed wrong that you should have to pay just because they were famous. <laughs> that you should have to pay for theirs when all the others were free. Uh, there's so many more now, and all of them are free. <laughs> Uh, um, and they do theirs as an audio book now. It's very clever the way they've done it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can get a free podcast, which is an advert for the audio book, which you pay for. So they've kind of they've worked out that you have to give something to, for free. Um, and so it's the same thing, really. We're, we're all used to having things for free. What as a journalist, I'm always using newspaper archives because the, the internet is full of stuff that's not true or probably wrong <laughs> and you can't take sort of you know out of 20 searches only one or two will be any use to you and they'll be the newspaper ones because yeah, yeah. you kind of at least got a bit of trust in the fact that before it went in the newspaper i.e. before it went onto the page somebody will have had a little look at it at least you know newspapers are not daft so i use the newspaper archives a lot you know and you know i'm really it's great grateful to have it there you know i remember when i first started uh, freelancing in the 97 my first thing was to get a couple of really those big kind of concertina A to Z folders, <laughs> and and because I read the Guardian, I would take out anything that I thought might be useful out of the Guardian. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable now. And so I, I started these libraries of stories and anything, and I had sub- sections and <laughs> themes, and I had these all around me because I was starting to do freelance writing, and I thought I'm going to need some stuff. You know, when you're at a magazine, you used to have to, to ring up a, a, a cuttings library, and they would bike round a big pile of newspaper well, the BBC cuttings. Well, have been enormous. Yeah, no. They still have an enormous so library. So I, I did this for for a good couple of years before I realised well at that time you know the newspapers weren't all online and now everything since then is definitely online and in fact they've started to add more and more stuff well in a way that is a resource you should pay for but I can't and I probably will have to to be honest well, yeah, yeah I'd miss the Times as a a resource it's a very good resource the Times well it just seems to me that if they don't find some way of getting some money back they're just going to all go away Mm. (laughs) you can't charge for some of it I mean, you've either got to charge or not charge. Because the the thing where you start to read an article and then halfway through you have to pay for the rest of it can really wind you up. I think I'd rather just say, you know... I think you ought to just publish all the news a day late. Well, so it doesn't matter. Well, (laughs) because if you want it as a resource, it's there afterwards. But, you know, know, because the big big issue... uh, The big issue... um, about all this is that newspapers giving away all of their content... Every day, mm. which they all do. Yeah, they do. People still has them. turned a six days a week newspaper buyer like me into a one and a half days a week mm. newspaper buyer. Because you used to, you know, your reasons for buying a newspaper were very often very trivial. They were, you know, you wanted a match report or you wanted something on the city pages mm. or or an obit or something or like that. Out. What David Tennant has said to Radio well, yeah. Times. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it just by a tiny little thing. Yeah. Well, as, lo- as soon as you can find the tiny little thing without paying, you don't go and pay. Yeah. That's interesting that you would say that. Um, I don't mean this, uh, you know, in any uh, disparaging way, but somebody older who's lived with newspapers, because I feel I feel really attached to a newspaper, and I'm, you know, hugely. Uh, Okay, with the internet, but I love a newspaper. But and do you I buy still, one every day? Yeah, I get the, oh, I, well, I subscribe to the Guardian oh, okay, and the Observer, okay. Okay. and and it comes through my door, and is there luckily because I've got a very good uh, news agent before I wake up. Oh, well, you're very. And I'd be very sad if it wasn't there on the on the mat when I got up. So uh, it will. I doubt that I'll stop doing that. I can't see a time. Well, that okay, well that's a very good point actually, because maybe it's the the presence of the thing on the doormat. Yeah. Is, is what drives home the point. Because if you had to wait until you went to the tube and then think, do I want it no, or I, don't I? You're right, not you're right about that. Um, it's taking away the decision. Yeah, no, it's very true. And, and then you start to see how much it costs when it's coming through well, the door. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When you think, what? Yes, people, have added, people have added up, you know, I've an annual newspaper pound. subscription is an awful lot of money. Yeah. As compared to a subscription to Word magazine, which yeah. is excellent. Well, the Guardian do a really good deal. Pounds. The Guardian, do a, they're the first to do it the way they do it. You don't, they don't send you it. But you send off and you get a book of vouchers. I was saying. Which you then can, you can hand over to your news agent. News agent. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and so you actually get a, ma- uh, a good amount off if you subscribe for a year. And that's how confident I am that I will be getting that particular paper for, for a year. Well, know? we support them charging for newspapers and yeah. charging for online content yeah. in, in whatever way they can <laughs> yeah. make it happen. But it's not going to be easy at all. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think they always thought that if you drove traffic to a point where you had millions of users, then advertising would kind of look after everything. Which it yeah. doesn't. And it clearly doesn't yeah. at all. It's, it's, and they've done the math and they've figured 
pointed out that X million million uh, users isn't as good as five percent of that number paying one pound fifty. Because that was what I was told by somebody that that, that they reckon on the Times that it might end up being five percent of the original traffic, mm. but that's okay. Yeah, three yeah. percent is not enough. Mm. <laughs> but if you can get if you can get five percent giving you two quid a week, yeah, that's quite good. Well, you know, I um, pay the subscription uh, to Rock's Back Pages. <clears throat> Barney Hoskins' um, excellent resource of, of rock writing, which is constantly building all the time, and you really need to su- subscribe to get to get you know to get the best of it. And uh, I think it's about hundred. Can't remember how much it is now a year. But anyway, I, I, I use it enough. I don't use it every week, but I use it enough, and it's such a good resource. I will pay, I will pay for that. Yeah. So I think it depends on the individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vehicle for the information. Well, that's that's kind of professional. That's business yeah. to business. Yeah, I mean, they have created a thing there which you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And there's some amazing stuff on there, you know, which I, I really actually need. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Somebody posted something the other day. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the website or on Twitter or, or whatever. That using the word journo, to which I took offence. You don't like the word mag either, do you? I hate the word mag. <laughs> do you, Andrew, what do you feel about that? Oh, I'm not... It all makes me think of Ben Elton. <laughs> ben Elton... Uh, I don't know if you were first to say Jono. My guess is the Australians, uh, they're very quick on the abbreviation, aren't they? Uh, they're very good on oh, shortening yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I presume it's because it's sunny outside and you just want to stop talking and get off the side. <laughs> but they, they, are, they are the best. And I, and I know Ben Melton's wife is Australian, so it may be that he picked it up that way. But anyway, he was the one in The Young Ones and then in Filthy Rich and Cat Flat where they just did everything, you know. Um, so um, <clears throat> it makes me think of that period if I hear too much of it. Jono, I I, I'd never heard Jono until I heard, uh, you know, Rick Mayle say it on one of the programs. Yeah, yeah, ben yeah. Elton I, you know, I actually embrace the more abusive terms i you know i've been asked on the radio how how can we describe you and i say hack mm. not a problem at all hack know. as a, it sounds pejorative yeah well i don't mind i, I embrace <laughs> the kind of yeah. pejorative qualities yeah. of it yeah, uh, i feel it yeah. i feel keith waterhouse you know when you know, charles yeah. dickens would yeah. have identified with hack but not journo no you that's know, true journo sounds yeah. twee and hack sounds like somebody with gout yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't and come a, back to the office. Problem with alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And that then led us into a discussion of geek, yeah. didn't it, Fraser? Because I like geek but not nerd. That's interesting. Oh, okay, so that is interesting. Why? Go on. Yeah. I'm not sure why it is. I think geek's sexier. And actually, I've something to back this up. This yeah. Week. This is uh, an email someone sent me uh, from a site called Lady Apps. Lady which, Apps. Which is a, a website for um, women who like iPhones and applications. <laughs> That's a very small market. <laughs> and they have a list. Of, <laughs> oh, I don't know. They have a list of the top ten geeks, which includes people like number ten. Well, I think you should read it from number ten. Yeah. Well, some of the, Come well, on. Some of these people I don't know, so I'll just give you well, highlights. It doesn't matter. I should... Number ten, Doctor Who. Number nine, Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. Number eight, Seth... Uh, Seth Godin, I think. It's Cohen. Uh, number seven, Simon Pegg. Number six, Steve Urkel. Number five, Toby Maguire. Who can be at number one, Andrew? I don't know. Number four, Stephen Fry. Oh, it's getting tense. No, yeah. Number three, Stephen Brady. It's getting warm in here. Number two, Rick Moranis. Wow, how odd. Who's at number one? Fraser Lurie. Yes! Is it? How to get mentioned on the word podcast <laughs> in one easy lesson. Exactly. <laughs> wow, you're, big, you're bigger than Peg. Yeah, yeah. That's bigger than Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who, yeah. He's fantastic. He's, he's got a lot of weight of uh, history and fandom behind him. But oh, that led, then led into a conversation about, uh, about jargon, and I was reminiscing about Variety magazine jargon. Um, when I wore a lad and I used to read the NME, and if they wanted to say that people were expecting a baby, they used to say, Infanticipating. That's good. Which was a, a piece of jargon developed by the American trade magazine Variety. Yeah. Uh, and you'll, you'll no doubt know some of these, Andrew, if I throw yeah. them at you. What's, what's a hoofer? A hoofer is a dancer. A hoofer is a dancer. I used that in the Radio Times this week, describing what uh, Bruce Forsyth does. Well, there you go. So if it makes it possible. What's a sudser? A sudser is a soap. It's a soap Or opera. a soapy film. What's a two-hander, Fraser? I, I have no idea. It's a play with, with two characters. Yeah, okay. uh, the, the um, EastEnders do those now. Uh, what's boff or buff, boffo? Good. Good. Big Brilliant. business. Boffo box office. Yeah, something yeah. Do, doing really well. <laughs> and then what, some I'd never heard of. What's a sprocket opera? 
Uh, well, that's, I don't know, that's it's, something with kids in it. It's, but... it's a film op- film festival. Oh, is it? It's a sprocket <laughs> opera. Uh, you know, uh, and a warbler is a singer, yeah. a male singer. What do we call a female singer, Andrew? Uh, songstress? Nothing. Or is that Smash It? <laughs> songstress. <laughs> Lady warbler? For, uh, a songstress or a foxtress or a temptress. Yeah. Tom Hibbert was very keen on yeah. it, with the ESS on the end of it. Uh, no, uh, they were generally a, a female singer will be called a canary. Oh, okay. how nice. Yeah. A canary. Uh, a moppet was... Child. Child actor, yes. So... Hel- Helmer, that's the way they say director. Cause oh, director's that's made, that's come back, I hasn't don't it? In a big way, yeah, you get that in Empire that's, now. Yeah, yes, you do. Actioner. Yes. <laughs> but what is that? An actioner. I like that. But anyway, so we, we don't mind geek, but we don't mind nerd. Well, you no. see, our, the fans of our, our podcast we call the Nerd Army... Uh, and we mean that with massive affection. Right, yeah. yeah. A week or last, the massive. We do. Which we also mean yeah. with massive affection. Um, further stuff on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, there's a piece in The Guardian about this today. Uh, this is from Mr Sweeney. Do others still make compilation tapes? I do. And I still use a Walkman, he says. Well, I'm, I'm, I make playlists for my iPod. Is that the same thing? Well, I think he would say... Uh, no, it's no not. I don't think it is. I mean, I wasn't claiming that it was. But. It's a gift for someone else. You'd like it for somebody else? Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose that might be... He might He might say, yes. They're, well, Lauren, they're a bit of val- a Valentine in disguise. Yeah. Lauren Laverne has a section on her show on Six Music where she gets people to, to explain a tape and they'll play bits of it. You know, or well, play the th- that's what this piece and of the Guardian is about, is about, to, is about today. Yeah. It's, it's about, they're arguing that the cassette tapes are coming back because yeah. they've got materiality and people like the idea of the kind of audio show through from uh, you know so you listen to a tape and you could usually very often distantly hear the thing that you'd recorded previously yeah. on the tape <laughs> yeah. so all those things it's classic tale of technology isn't it all the things we're glad to get rid of you know leave it a while and everybody's yeah, glad to get we'll it be back in those in our caves with our cassette players <laughs> exactly. okay. making our own playing our own accompaniment um i don't think i even forgot to press dolby player. I, I don't have one anymore. I, have you got, I can't play video cassettes or audio cassettes. No, me neither. I'm afraid. Yeah, well, so, Mr. Sweeney, I think, I think at the moment you're on your own with that. El hombro... El, I, Fraser... El hombre melo. <laughs> or something. Fraser knows this because he met this uh, member of the Massive. I did, Only yes. the other night at the, uh, the word uh, meet-up. How and did that go? It that? was very good, and we had an absolute triumph. We, uh, we re- reunited a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, one of the uh, the regular massive members, as I like to call him, um, Captain Underpants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd uh, taken a photograph of him and put it on the Word website, and another reader recognised him from his childhood. Wow. And it's a long lost cousin, they hadn't seen him for 25 years. So, and really, a cousin. Yeah. That so is peeled away all the years and, and yeah. saw the six year old. Exactly. Boy. Somewhere, right now, Rolf Harris is tearing up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, that man, El Hombre Malo, says, International Record Store Day. Use them or lose them. That's his plug, I suppose. April the 17th is taking place. So that's a day we all have to go to a... a We all have to go to a record shop shop and and say, have you got so-and-so? And And they say no. That's a lovely idea. I mean, I'm sure in London we're spoiled. Well, for record shops? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, I know they're less than now, many. but you know, I, mean, I always walk past one in, uh, in uh, Berwick Street. In That's South the only one? Yeah. Maybe I just go down there a lot. I think... I, assume, I, think I assume all streets are like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think that's one of the very few. Yeah. Know, I think, you know, the, the West End of London, you, there's not a dozen Sad, nowadays, are there? It's one, it's, you know, one of those things where you would, I would feel passionately about keeping them open, but at the same time don't use them. Well, you know, it's like the bill. I can't believe they're taking the bill off. When did you last watch it? 1980? <laughs> or whatever it was. I mean, I haven't watched the bill for years, but I think it's sad they're taking it off. I, I mean, you know. You know, the, I, sort of theoretical, my support of, of record shops, which is a bit tragic, isn't it, really? I don't know. What I want them to be there so I can walk past them. <laughs> I don't want to walk past a, an empty shop. I'd like to go in there and they have the products at the same price as I would pay for them online. Yeah. Because they can't. No, so I don't. Having to pay rent Fox does a reasonably good job of that. I suppose so. You know, I went into a really big Waterstones after a particular book and... Uh, it wasn't on the shelves. I mean, I felt like a browse. Which I, I like bookshops very much. Big ones, small ones, I like them. So I thought, I don't mind. I'm not going to ask somebody. I'm going to try and find it. Just look in new hardbacks or whatever it was. And uh, ultimately, 
I couldn't find it. I couldn't work out which section it might be in. So I went to ask somebody at the information desk, and they looked it up on the computer, and they didn't have it in. But they said it's not a book we're likely to get in. They said we can order it for you, but at the minute she started saying those words, I was already leaving the shop. You know, well, I, I can also order it for myself. Absolutely. And it will be cheaper, and it will come quicker, uh, and I might not be passing by again. So and I, it'll be to my door as well. Well, yes, exactly. I felt really, I felt quite sad that they couldn't help me out. You well, know, also sometimes I've got. I wanted to, them to help me. I wanted to. Buy I've gone to bookshops and asked for something because there's always a problem with bookshops because you don't know where to start looking. Mm. Record shops slightly easier. That's true. Um, and you go to bookshops and you ask for something and they look it up on Amazon. Really? Do they? Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, because why not? It's probably got the best database, you know. But, uh, and, you know, I don't hold out great hopes for the, uh, for the publishing industry if, no. if it all goes through Amazon. But, you know, I went, I went into Foils, which obviously you can only do if you're in London, because it's this ancient old bookshop that used to be impossible to negotiate, and now it's actually quite easy quite to negotiate. Easy. And it's quite big. It's on many floors. And, they, and I wanted two books, and they had both of them in. And the woman on the desk knew exactly where they would be. I mean, there's not many bookshops around like that, unfortunately. What were they? Oh, they were both, they were both to do with uh, food and nutrition and, and, and stuff like that. Subject that I'm interested in. And, uh, and they had them both. Oh, and we they, weren't in, they weren't in Waterstones and they weren't in... Uh, I think Borders were still going then. And, and, and it's a shame if the great big bookshops can't sell you the books... And what, the little ones have to offer something else, don't Ma- they? Mark Ellen and I were in the calf around the corner the other day, and he said afterwards, he said, let's go for a walk, I need to buy a book of borders. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. Mark. <laughs> we'll have to go to Woolworths. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, C&A. Yeah. Yes, we kept that joke over quite a while. You know. oh, but we have more correspondence from Down Under, Fraser. OK, in, what are in, they saying in now? The, in the broadest sense. Um... And uh, I've, been, I've been meaning to bring this one in for weeks and read it. I printed it out absolutely ages ago. Now, a few weeks ago, we were taking a mickey out of Australian listeners who were oh, getting, yeah. getting a bit arsy about yes, the fact were, that yeah. the podcast was half an hour late. Oh, why can't they go out and enjoy the sun? Or <laughs> all the things they're always telling or us about. Or abbreviate a few more words. Yes. <laughs> I saw, uh, povo is a new one I learned. Uh, they, they call poor kids. It's called povo. povo. Yeah. It's, always a, it's always a vowel on the end of it. Povo. Uh, but anyway, this one came from Nick. And uh, he says, I thought I should tell you and Mark that in the early days of the podcast, and uh, sorry, if Rolf Harris is in the room here, he might tear up. <laughs> I spent a year in hospital for chemo after brain surgery. Blimey. Nurses would often pop into my room to see if everything was okay because they could hear me giggling or just laughing out li- loud. I was listening to a new word podcast. Thanks for making a big difference that year with both the podcast and the magazine. And I sp- say that despite your comments about Australian readers. <laughs> of course, I do have a piece of my brain missing these days. And what do I know? <laughs> so, and listen, yeah, best of luck to you, Nick. And, uh, That's very nice. Delighted to have uh, provided whatever Excellent, service yeah. we possibly could. Then. You're right, though. Rolf was tearing up again. Yes, <laughs> Rolf was tearing <laughs> yeah. up. And uh, same with also with a bit of a medical theme. It uh, comes from New Zealand, Fraser. This is from Wayne, who's the New Zealand dentist. Is a frequent correspondent oh, yes. here. And uh, I think we sorted out some issue of his about uh, back issues or his subscription or something. And so he sent us... What's he sent us, Fraser? He sent us... Uh, here it is. It's um, uh, New Zealand's 100 Essential Albums. Wow. Okay. How, how many pages is it? It's big. It's, it's a big old thing. So they're local. It's over 300 pages. Local albums. I mean, local bands. Uh, yes, they're, yeah, yeah, they're that's all, very interesting. And it's, it's very good. And, and as someone who's from New Zealand, it makes me realise that uh, the 70s passed me by completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I not... imagine that, the, that a lot of bands from that way wouldn't have ever reached these shores. No, although, funnily no, enough, few... a lot of them came to London and recorded mm. and went back home again and were never heard of again. <laughs> so is it uh, obvious who the most famous New Zealand recording artists are? Yes, and the once that, there's a big drop-off, though, isn't there? Uh, uh, really? Um, I'm trying to think no, of others off the top of my head. Flight to the Concord. There's nothing more yes. insulting than, than suggesting an Australian <laughs> oh, is actually God, so I'm not going to say that. Go there. But weren't the chills? The chills are from New Zealand. Yeah, they're from Dunedin. God, I would hate to insult The chills are there as long as well as a few other staples from the Dunedin scene. So there we are, New Zealand's, what's it called again? 
Uh, 100 essential New Zealand albums. And very he's good. got it at his desk and he's going to work through. I have 33 of them. He's got 33. Good work. Ow, don't change weight. that. You've got to leave it at that. That's put too <laughs> good to be true. That book looks like it'd be a really nice weight. It's a so really thanks very much, book. Thanks very much for Wayne the Dentist. Dento, they probably and call so him out there. If anybody's... <laughs> he's a Dento. If anybody's down there is looking for a Dento... Uh, <laughs> Just, you know, apply to us and we'll give you Wayne's details. Somebody <laughs> says, oh, Old Mother Hell, so I have to ask Andrew about the Craig David Motown issue. Yeah, this is weird. I can't believe this is not a bigger story. Um, I met the guy who did the interview with Craig David for a press association the other day. It was called Andy. He interviewed him and it went up on the press association website and... The one story was plucked out and sort of went not very far on the internet. His new album is called Signed, Sealed, Delivered. It is a covers album. Um, and you'll be fascinated to know this. Uh, mostly Motown covers, but some old soul covers as well. And in the interview, he admitted that while making the album, this is a man who is 28, has been recording since 1999 in what would have to be described as the urban music arena. Not even a confession as far as he's concerned, but I would say it was a confession. He confessed that he didn't know that Motown was a label until he started making this record. And somebody making it obviously brought it up. He thought it was a sound, which of course it is, but he didn't know it was also a label. Now, I found that unbelievable. I mean, this, this one quote sort of came out, was extracted from the Press Association thing and put into a press release and sent around. So a few websites reported it, but not many. And maybe because Craig David doesn't quite have the, the weight that he once had as a recording artist. But I think that is astonishing. I don't think he's an idiot, uh, which somebody accused me of thinking it, it because I put it on my website. I think it's amazing. It does not come out as someone who's never bought records. Yeah, or, or thought very hard about the music industry it's or the history of music. It's a, yeah, he has no curiosity, I which is something you can apply to an awful lot of people. Mm. People know stuff, but they're not curious. They don't go out to find out anything. But he probably won't have bought many records. But also, and here, you know, it's personal obsession of mine. I think you can only be aware of labels if you bought black and white vinyl records. No, you could be right. Yeah. When they had labels, yeah. and you saw the labels, and you listened to them, and you looked at the label. If you bought, you know, a Motown record, if you bought a Boys to Men CD or whatever, mm. you were not aware no, of the branding. I, I take that on board, and it was only because he is a professional musician that I can't believe he's not somehow picked it up by mistake, that fact, that's all. But you're absolutely right. My wife and I had the same conversation. We were just going through records that we had, singles that we had. You go, well, Boomtown Rats, Ensign, because I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. Police, A&M, I can see the, can see see the labels. So no matter what record it was, I can see it because you were so desperate for information, you would take it out and look at the label. I could, and you were, you were um, you know, hymning the, the physical product the other week on here, and uh, you know that is very true. You, you cared about the labels because you saw the labels. You if you had a Motown record, it would have a big M on it, yeah. and you'd know what it was. Because yeah. so, you, you had so little else sense, to do, you'd read the label. Sense, I'm not all that surprised, but he could have been I a, just bit think more, I more, think a bit more curious, couldn't he? A man of 28 for 28 years or a lot of those years to have not accidentally picked it up is quite difficult that's what I think the fact is one of those facts that I asked asked Richard Herring who knows nothing about music and doesn't care about it (laughs) and even he knew that it was a but how old is Richard Herring he's 42 but even so he never bought a Motown record in his life yeah but you see Richard Herring I wouldn't mind betting doesn't doesn't uh, invoke the young person's defence for ignorance, which is how do I know? I'm only 28, 14. Yeah, supply age, so, yeah. Yeah. which you know my children do all the time. You know, mm. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the Second World War. But I wasn't alive when it was taken. <laughs> I'm aware true. it yeah. it occurred. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. That, it was the out. second one. I know so, that. Yes, <laughs> the second one. So we're drawing, Germany to a, a drawing to a close here. Have we all seen the Erica Badu video? Oh, yes, my have, God, yeah. that's rubbish. <laughs> have you seen the one that it's apparently a tribute to? Well, yes. Yeah. Fraser, start with that one. Which Go I think on. is a much better video. It's a much better video. It's a Brooklyn duo, this band called Matt and King. Yeah, who I met and, and interviewed. They're very uh, smart people and, and full of ideas. And they do the same thing. They get out at a famous American landmark. In their yeah. case, it's Times Square. And they take their clothes off in slow motion and wander around but it's kind of magical their version yeah. of it. and then well, looking up at the lights there the seems absolutely real like it's yeah. a piece of terrorism art terrorism and it's all in one take and the police kind of move in and arrest them which apparently was staged I think they staged the end bit but there's lots of people around so yeah. now explain the Erica well, Badu Erica Badu who is famous in the sense that she's had a hit and a great deal of acclaim and they haven't and they're new and they're sort of you know they're trying to make a name for themselves she's trying to remake a name for herself which makes it all the more cynical and horrible she gets her kit off uh, gradually again 
in one take at Dealey Plaza. In Dallas, Texas. Yeah, and, it, and he's nude, nude by the end, obviously pixelated out, so you can watch it at work just about, although you feel a bit weird doing so, because I did it earlier <laughs> on at the Radio Times and all, almost <laughs> got sacked. <laughs> and, uh, but, she, uh, but the weird thing about it, a Dealey Plaza, the grassy knoll, she, at the end, colla- I'm going to give the ending away, spoiler alert, <laughs> she collapses as if shot naked on the ground, which is a really weird illusion to make don't you think but the, oh it's weird I mean, no, it's, it's weird weird on all video. kinds of levels but to do uh, that at the end is so odd it's one shot yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah so it's like the beginning of touch of evil or whatever yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and if we're to believe what we see it's in front of a load of tourists who just happen to be there yeah. Yeah. there is a not actors because i read accounts of it in the dallas papers you know they said oh, i don't think she should have done that because there were children around and you do see yeah, children do, in the yeah. background yeah yeah and, uh, you know, so it's, a, it's an extraordinarily reckless thing to do, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. You know. Well, uh, she got written on her back, she got a word tattooed on her back. Oh, some kind of like. Was it slave or. Rev- revolution <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel stupid now because everyone's seen it. Anyway, she's yeah. got something significant. So, anyway, uh, it's really rubbish and it's on the Word website. <laughs> and if it's been released, I have no idea. If it's getting a chart, I have no idea. It may well be number one. I will never know if it's ever a success. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk All together, all together, lean on the paddle, lean on and lift out silently. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.